be seated. Well, I look out and I see everyone's smiling faces, and I'm glad to see everyone this morning. But especially, I'm glad to see Miss Joanne Kaufman. She is back with us today. She's been out for a little bit. Praise God for that. And also, I was told that we have a birthday in the house today. Does anyone know whose birthday it is? Kate, is that you? Happy birthday. Can everybody give her a round of applause? We had an amazing day yesterday. Um, Buckeye football's back, which is always good. But we were able to go and celebrate uh, Mike and Christy yesterday and just honor their, their anniversary. So thank you for having us all out. And if you made it out, you know that was a beautiful, beautiful party. Now, now, Pastor, I think, I think we need to put the, the tambourine to rest for a little bit. Uh, during that first song, I just saw something shine out of the corner of my eye, and the poor tambourine started falling apart up here, and a little disc kept flying out. invite everyone to, oh, I am skipping the gun. Uh, Grandpa, <laughs> young man, could you come up here, please? If you're our guest with us today or joining on the live stream, we want to thank you for tuning in or being here, and we just want to welcome, welcome you. If you are a guest with us, um, just slip up your hand as this dashing young man walks, young uh, walks up the aisle and he has a he has an information card for you to fill out. Just put in the offering plates so that way you can stay in contact with us and we can stay in contact with you as well. Can we get a round of applause for our guest today? That's good. Thank you, guys. That was, wow, good job. I'm so glad you guys learned how to clap. Uh, Wednesday, we invite you to come and spend the day with us. Well, not the whole day, but we invite you to come in the morning for our 10 a.m. Bible study with Pastor. And then in the evening, starting at 7, we have uh, activities for every age. We have adult Bible study, nursery, girls ministries, youth, rangers. So we have something for all age groups, and we'd love to see you come out on Wednesdays and join us. Exciting news, the men's breakfast is back for the, for the year. Next Saturday at 8 a.m., make sure that you're here if you're able, if you're a man. Um, What's well, men's breakfast, you know? Anyway, Terry is going to be speaking for the breakfast, and um, we have Bill cooking our breakfast, so that will be good. I look forward to that. Next Sunday is also Mission Sunday, and I never really kind of just took a step back and realized how important missions was until um, I started going to, like, some different conferences and stuff um, throughout the church. And, like, missions is so important 
And honestly, that is our goal. Is everyone, our goal is to just share the news of Jesus throughout our homes and our families, our communities. And they're taking the next step and going out and doing it in places where they could die. So, and, you know, it brings a lot of dangers. So for next Sunday, just remember it is Mission Sunday. And um, remember that. We need to have volunteers for our monthly distribution. So if you're able to, it's not next Saturday, but the Saturday after, um, just go ahead and sign up for us in the lobby so we can make sure that we have everyone ready to go for that. Um, and then, yeah, the sign-up sheet is in the lobby. Parents of the children for Lifesavers, please, I'm asking uh, today, come up and get your kids when service is over, please come retrieve them because I have something I need to talk to you guys about and I would appreciate that. That way I don't have to come and run around and find everybody. Also, we are starting our children's play practice today. So that is always a good thing. And we're super excited for what that brings for this year. Oh, pastor. Round of applause again. the ushers to come at this time we're going to give our tithes and our offerings to the Lord and while we're doing that we'll be giving some praise to God this would also be an excellent opportunity for uh, if you haven't made it back to say hi to Joanne uh, to slip out and uh, go back and say hi to her and Was it something I said? <laughs> I know, they're going to play practice. Praise God. Well, though I enjoyed the summer, it was a busy summer, and I am looking forward to the fact that uh, this is the last real holiday for a couple months. And so hopefully our folk will be coming back from vacations and adventures and we'll fill the place up and bring in some new families as well to share the word of God with. Would you join with me in praying over this time of giving to the Lord? Father, you've given so much to us we can't even begin to repay or even think about it. But you've given us the free gift of salvation, but it cost you dearly. Jesus laid down his life's blood. We celebrate that today, Father, as we remember in Holy Communion the sacrifice of Jesus on Calvary. But we want to give our tithes and our offerings back to you. You've blessed us and we give back so that others can hear the story of Jesus and respond to the life-changing message that there is grace for all your name. We pray, Father, you would bless the gift and the giver today. Expand that which is given to meet the needs. We give you praise for it all. In Jesus' name, amen.
Yeah. 
He sends the 
grave I'm walking to Since you walked out of the grave I'm walking to Since you walked out of the grave I'm walking to Following Jesus Since you walked out of the grave I'm walking to Since you walked out of the grave I'm
of us to sense you're in this place we ask it in Jesus name amen amen Woo. praise God though they had no idea of what we were going to be preaching on today because I wasn't clear myself but uh, all the songs talking about the king, the king of glory. Hallelujah. Well, we've been on a journey together these last several weeks. We've been looking at face to face with the Almighty, examining a variety of one on one encounters with God that we read about in the scripture. I don't want to bore you by trying to repeat all that we've learned, but I do want to highlight the reasons for studying these one-on-one -on -one encounters with God. They're important. And if you've missed a week or you're just tuning in for the first time, you can go to our website, you can go to the, uh, the archive section and you can pick up all of these studies that we've been doing the last several weeks about face-to-face -face with the Almighty. We realize that there are several key reasons to study this. First of all, and you know it well, we all are going to have a face-to-face -face with Him sooner or later. Good idea. Have it now. Meet God now. Develop a personal relationship with the Almighty God. Have your name written and recorded in the Lamb's Book of Life because everybody's going to have a one-on-one, face-to-face one day. At the great white throne judgment, there will be those that are standing with the Lord whose names are in the book. Amen? Amen. But there will be those... When the Lord says, look in the book, and they drop their head because all the dead have been brought up from hell and standing before a great white throne judgment, and if their name is not found in the book, if they've never had that one-on-one -on -one encounter with God of salvation, he says to them, depart from me into everlasting judgment. We study these one-on-ones because everyone's going to have one, at least one. 
And I've had one. How about you? You've met the Lord. It's changed your life. You've been saved. The second reason that we study this is because these one-on-one, face-to-face encounters remind us the fairness and justice of God. We read about people who no one else was available to tell them about God. And so God showed up, and they had a one-on-one. We've talked about Abraham. Nobody, there's a record of nobody really following God after Noah. And so God called to him in Ur of the Chaldees and said, I'm the Lord God. Introduced himself to Abram. None of the pagans around knew anything about. They were worshiping idols of wood and stone and clay. But God introduced himself one-on-one to Abram. God can do that. And he did that with Moses, did he not? Moses was raised in Pharaoh's household. He found out later he was Jewish. He tried to take matters into his own hands. He killed one of the Egyptians, fled for his life, and he's out on the backside of the desert. Who's going to witness to him there? Even his own countrymen back in Egypt did not know the nature and the name of God. He was living in a pagan land, surrounded by idol worshipers. Who's going to tell him the story? But God had a one-on-one face-to-face with him there, didn't he? He looked up and saw a bush burning, and God had a one-on-one with Moses. Jacob, we studied about him. Nobody liked Jacob. His brother was out to kill him. He's out in the middle of nowhere, but God wrestled with him and changed him. Last week we looked at the woman at the well. How many of you made a trip to the well last week? It was a a great sight to see people coming to the well for a one-on-one with Jesus. She was there because nobody else in town would have a thing to do with her. She was a shamed woman living in sin. But Jesus made an appointment, a divine appointment. How many of you believe in divine appointments? Nobody else was going to talk to her. The disciples certainly weren't going to talk to her. No Jewish person, but the Son of God made an appointment with a woman of Samaria. And her life was transformed. The third reason that we want to study about these one-on-one face-to-face encounters with the Almighty is to remind you that he's not a group God, he's a one-on-one God. It's, yes, we, we enjoy getting together as the family of God, but he's a one-on-one God. You have to have a personal relationship with him. A corporate relationship will not cut it in eternity. Going to church won't get you into heaven. It won't even get you a good seat. You'll be standing on the wrong side of the great white throne. Giving money, good deeds and good works won't cut it 
You have to have a one-on-one with a one-on-one God. And he will save you. He will forgive you. He will guide you. He will direct you. He will hear your prayers and answer. Today we want to pick up our study and look at the prophet Isaiah. And I'm going to invite you to stand as I read the scripture. Turn to Isaiah chapter 6. I was going to speak at another encounter this week and the Lord drew me back to Isaiah 6. Isaiah chapter 6 and beginning with verse number 1. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above it stood seraphim. Each one had six wings. With two he covered his face. With two he covered his feet. And with two he flew. And one cried to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the posts of the door were shaken by the voice of him who cried out. And the house was filled with smoke. Isaiah said, Woe is me, for I am undone. I'm a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a live coal, which he had taken from the tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth with it and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your iniquity is taken away, your sin purged. And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then I said, Here am I. Send me. Father God, speak face to face with us today we ask it in Jesus name amen amen please keep your Bibles open there in Isaiah chapter 6 the book of Isaiah the prophecy of Isaiah begins with him bringing charges against the people of Israel God was moving in one way. They were moving exactly opposite. God had given them feasts and festivals and sacrificial system where they could draw back in a relationship, but they were just going through the motions without the emotion of repentance. And he spoke to them harshly. And in the midst of this, the king dies. It was in the same year that the king died. You say, well, that must have been a very tragic event. Well, it was is tragic for more than one reason. It became a time of great discouragement for Isaiah and the rest of the kingdom. You know the story of Uzziah. King Uzziah 
was a good king for the most part. He did great things. He restored worship. He took away idols. He did wonderful things. But he began hanging around with the wrong people, other kings of other countries. And he began to take on some of the attitudes of the other kings in the region. You see, in all of their kingdoms, they were listed as a god too. Uzziah thought, well, look at all I've done. Look at all that I've accomplished. And so one day, Uzziah, he knew better. It wasn't that he didn't know better. He had studied the scriptures. He decided, I'm going to go in to the temple of the Lord and walk right in to the Holy of Holies, and I'll just be the one in charge here. The high priest and 80 other priests tried to stand in front of the curtain and said, no, king, you are not permitted. This is only a place for the priesthood. God has said this is the way it is. And we're not allowed to go in there, just the high priest, one time a year, and with a blood sacrifice for the atonement of the people. And the king would have none of it, and he decided that he was just as much of a god as God was. And when he reached out to touch the veil, the Lord pulled his hand of protection from him and leprosy covered the entire body of the king. He was in shock. He, he was covered from head to foot with an advanced case of leprosy. And he wanted the accolades from the temple, but the remainder of his life was spent hiding out from everybody in the palace until he died. It was a time of great discouragement for the prophet and for all of Israel. The king that had started out so strong finished so poorly. One who called upon the name of the Lord and brought people back to a, a relationship with the Lord became lofty in his own eyes. It was a time of great discouragement for the people. They had such high hopes. Have you gone through some discouragements, child of God? Have you lost hope? That was the way the people of Israel and the prophet was. It's distinctive that he said, in the year that King Uzziah died. He looks around and he sees reminders of the king's death everywhere he looks. A reminder, because the feasts and festivals and the sacrifices went on, but the king could not attend, and then the king died. And once the king died, everyone would wear sackcloth in mourning for a period of one year. It says not in the day that he died, in the year that the king died.
Everywhere you looked was a reminder of the defeat and the death and discouragement that was in front of them. They had such great hopes, the prophets and the priests did, that this king would rule righteously all of his days, only be disappointed and discouraged. I believe there's a message for someone here today. You're going through a time and a season of great discouragement. Amen. Disappointments in life. You thought you would have achieved this, but it's come to naught. You thought things were going in a positive direction, and then they rapidly reversed course on you. Is there anyone here today who would say, yes, Pastor, I'm a discouraged person today. Oh, there's no crime in it. Isaiah was discouraged. It was a time of great discouragement. It was a time of great despair. A great king now dies, and they can't even attend the funeral. He's a leper, you see. Contact is prohibited. He died alone, by himself, despair. It was a time of death. As I mentioned, everyone was wearing sackcloth and in a period of black cloth for a year, mourning the loss of their king. And some here have experienced the loss, the death of a loved one, a friend, someone that you're still grieving. I know some people say, well, you, you just need to get over it. Well, we'll revisit that conversation with them when it happens to them. But the whole country is in mourning over the death of the king and over the disappointment of the end of his days. You may be walking through that valley of the shadow of death today yourself. If I want to get depressed, all I have to do is make a list of all my friends that are no longer here. They're on the other side in the presence of the Lord, and I rejoice in that fact that we will be joined together again. But when you start looking around and you realize there used to be a crowd <laughs> and the crowd's thinning, <laughs> when you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, it can be a scary time. Is anyone here today in this past week has been grappling with your own mortality? Looking at your life and realizing that no guarantees of tomorrow. Anybody here got a something that ain't working like it used to work well? 
How many of you take the front of that pew when you stand up and assist you? We were thinking of installing those lift seats, you know. It would have been cost prohibitive. Are you grappling? I just need to know. The Lord led me down this path, and I just want to check and make sure that I'm on target here with what the Lord has said. Are you facing your own mortality right now? Coming to grips with life and death and eternity. Are you in discouragement because you're looking back and you say, I should have, I should have, I should have, I, I would have, I, I, but I didn't. And the enemy wants to leave us hanging there in the past, which we can do nothing about. When I preach funerals, I am only preaching to the living. And I try to offer insight and direction because the person who is deceased already made decisions that at the point of their death they went one place or another either heaven or hell their choice but everyone else still has a choice to make and I find that it's only at those times that some people grapple with the issues of their mortality when there's a funeral. The rest of the time, oh, well, I'm just going to live forever. I'm too hungry. Uh, they, they, won't, they won't take me right now. <laughs> this was the time was going on for the prophet Isaiah. Discouragement, despair, death, surrounding It's also a time of declension. Uh, things were divided. There was a righteous way, and a lot of the people of Israel were going the wrong way. And the king finished his term in seclusion because he'd gotten away from God. It hurts when those that were once walking righteously with God walk away from God. How many of you know the hurt I'm talking about? You remember when that brother, that sister, that individual was walking with the Lord and you, you saw the turn and you couldn't do anything to stop it because their free will is in effect. Oh, the discouragement because of the declension, the, the, the parting of ways. The prophet could not even go to visit the king. It was a time of discouragement and despair and death and declension and dissonance. Things were out of key. Have you ever been listening? Don't look at me when I answer this. And something, someone was singing, it was just a little bit off. One of the great, great moments of, of, of our history here at the church. Several years ago, I can't remember what year it was, but Jamie, Pastor Jamie, 
was willing to embarrass himself. How many were, how many were you were there for his solo work at the Christmas party, the, the volunteer Christmas appreciation party, where he lip-synced somebody who didn't get a single note right on O Holy Night. I introduced him as, you know, he's, he recorded his first album and, and uh, second, one on the way. second one on the way. And uh, some people who didn't know were saying, well, this ought to be good. He plays the drums so well, I bet he's a great singer. There's a reason he's in the cage. And he started out, oh, holy night. Put your teeth on edge. That was the time that Isaiah was living in. That dissonance. The whole world was out of key. Know what I'm talking about, church? The world in which we live right now bears little resemblance to the world we knew. There's wickedness in high places and low places and every place. We have 13-year-olds shooting down 15-year-olds. We have... It's out of key, and it hurts. But in the midst of this, in the midst of all the discouragement and despair and death and declension and dissonance and out of key and all of the problems and all the things. It was also a time of change because a new king was immediately placed on the throne and you don't know how that's going to turn out. But in the middle of this, walks the prophet Isaiah. He seems so all alone. He's discouraged. No matter where he looks, he sees people moving away from God. The heartbeat of the people of Israel is distant from God. They're going through the motions, but they don't have the relationship. And I want to tell you something about our God. He knows when somebody needs a face-to-face. -face. In the midst of all this darkness and despair and declension and discouragement and dismay and death, in the very year where everywhere he looked was death and a reminder of the sin of the king. In the year that King Uzziah died, I had a one-on-one -on -one with the King of Glory. Oh, didn't you enjoy those songs we sang today? Yeah. All hail King Jesus. All hail Emmanuel, King of Kings, Lord of Lords, bright morning star. He had a face-to-face -face encounter with Almighty God. And we want to look at that today. That face-to-face. -to -face. 
encumbered by defeat and death of the king, surrounded by it, engulfed in it, he is taken by God into a place he's never been. Think about it. He's a prophet, not a priest. We'll say, well, everybody went to church. It wasn't church. You see, the temple was different. Only the priesthood could go into the, into the, into the in, in first building. Everyone could come up to the gate and bring their sacrifice to the brazen altar. They could see where the hands of the, and the feet of the priests were washed at the labor, but that's as far as they go. Every other Jewish person is not allowed entry into the two-part compartments of the temple. The first part, as you know, is the holy place. On the right side, you have the table of showbread, but only the priests were permitted there. On the left, you have the gigantic golden candelabra, but only the priests get to see its light. And in front, there's the veil, and in front of the veil is the altar of incense, but only the priests get to go in and burn incense with intercessory prayer at that place. Behind the veil is the Holy of Holies, and only the high priest, one man, one time a year, is granted access to that. But here, in the midst of all this darkness and despair, everywhere he looks, there's failure, there's discouragement, there's death. The Lord said, come here, Isaiah. He says, I had an invitation to a face-to-face -face encounter with Almighty God. And he just didn't take Isaiah to the outer court. Oh, no. He brought him all the way in. And the Lord is seated on the mercy seat. The veil is gone. And that whole place is filled with the, the smoke of the presence of the glory of God. And Isaiah is ushered into the presence of the King of kings and the Lord of lords in all of his glory. In the earthly temple, there was the mercy seat, a plate of gold above the box. But then there were cherubim, seraphims, carved out of gold, but they're not out of gold up in the heavenly one. These are real cherubim. These are real seraphim, and they are hovering around. They're not affixed to the throne. They're hovering around saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. Out of his despair and discouragement and declension and dissonance and death, He's ushered in to a face-to-face -face encounter with Almighty God. And the whole prophecy of Isaiah is changed because of this meeting. Oh, look at it in your Bibles. We don't have time to go over every aspect of We looked at it many times before. 
in the year that King Uzziah died, I got a glimpse of another king. I saw the Lord sitting on a throne. The Lord is saying by his seat on the throne of heaven, the, the earthly component is the, the mercy seat, but he's seated on the heavenly throne, surrounded by living creatures, not emblems of gold. No matter what I'm going through, he's still on the throne. No matter what you're going through, child of God, God is still on his throne. No matter what discouragement you're facing, I've got good news. God is still on his throne. You may be put down. You may be mocked. You may be persecuted. You may feel left out because you're standing for God and you're not welcome in those circles anymore. You may be pushed down and pushed aside, but God is still on his throne today. I may be not happy with the way things are going in my world and in the politics and all of the, the governmental situations and the crime in the streets and the immorality wherever you go and the, the moral standards through the toilet today. But my God is still on the throne. My God is still on the throne. He's still God. He has not turned over his power. He has not secluded himself as I use up. out you got me now okay I saw him seated on the throne the king of all kings lord of all lords the alpha and omega the beginning and the end the first of the last and you know what every time we catch a picture a glimpse of heaven in the word of God that's exactly where he's at Thousands of years later, after Isaiah saw it, 
we find that as Stephen is being stoned to death, Stephen glimpsed up into heaven and saw Jesus standing at the right hand of God by the throne. The Father is still on the throne. Even when you're going through persecution, as the stones of the accusers were pelting Stephen, he looked up and he saw God is still on the throne. No matter what I'm going through, no matter my situation, no matter my circumstance, your finances may be gone, your physical health may be gone, your family may have forsaken and forgotten you, but God, your God, my God, the King of glory is still on the throne. It says he's high and lifted up. Even though Uzziah was down and out, God was high and lifted up. Get your eyes off of those that are falling around you. I, I, I don't know why I watch the news. I, I, I don't know why I do it, but I, it must be self-punishment or something. I, but you see people that are so disappointed, dis disappointing to you that are behaving, they know better, but they're not living that way. But I've got good news. Doesn't matter how down and out and disassociated with reality people around us may be, God is high and exalted. You say, well, don't we have to praise him for him to be exalted? No, you don't. He was on the throne high and exalted before you were ever born. Before I ever took my first breath, God was seated on the throne. He was high and lifted up. He was high and lifted up when he spoke to Moses. He was high and lifted up when he spoke to Abraham. He was high and lifted up when Stephen saw him. He was high and lifted up when John the Revelator saw Jesus high and lifted up and his train filling the temple of glory in heaven. His position is not determined by ours. We can be down and out, but he's always high and lifted up. Oh, <laughs> he's exalted. We just sang about it this morning. I didn't tell her what we were going to be preaching on. He is exalted. The king is exalted on high. I will praise him. He is exalted forever. Ex Give him praise. He saw God seated upon the throne as the king of glory, high and lifted up. And this is one of my favorite parts of it. And the borders of his regal robe filled that place. Can you picture it today with me? I know we've talked about it before, but I'd just like to visit this place again. Imagine that this is the, the temple and the holy presence of God, the, the mercy seat, the, the throne of God right here. And the angels just flying around, holy, holy, holy. 
But the king is seated there, but the regal robe that he wears covers the entire expanse of the heavenly temple. Lift your feet for just a moment, would you please? Lift your feet. You're standing on the, on the robe. You're standing on the robe. If it fills the temple, you're close enough to touch it, aren't you? My Bible tells me that there was a woman who tried many physicians, but grew worse, so to Jesus she came when the crowd tried to restrain her. She whispered these words in her pain, touching Jesus, if I can just touch the hem, the border of his garment, I shall be made whole. And as Jesus emerged from the, the synagogue and he had on the, the robes, the, the prayer shawl, she reached up and she touched the border of his garment and immediately she was made whole. I want you to imagine with me today right now. You may have come in today sick, infirmed, and needing a touch from God. I want you to imagine that train of his garment flowing and rippling over the top of every pew. Can you, do, can you imagine that with me? Just a piece of fabric rippling over every pew. If there's anybody sick today, I want you to reach out and touch the top of that pew in front of you as if it were covered by the robe of the righteous king. It was filling that place that you are within reach of touching the one who has the garment that can bring a healing touch by faith. It wasn't the touch of the garment. She said, he said, your faith, daughter, has made you whole. Right now, before I go on, if there's sickness in your body today, would you reach out and touch just as a simple act of faith and say, Lord Jesus, I'm so glad you're trained. The borders of your garment are filling this place today. Does anybody have a witness that God touched him today? Oh, I got to quickly move. This one-on-one -on -one face to face with Isaiah. The borders of his regal robe filled the heavenly temple. And then the angelic beings were crying out, "Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts." And that's where we usually focus. I don't want you to focus there today. Yes, he's holy. He's worthy of our praise. But look at what the angel said. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. Say it with me. The whole earth is full 
of his glory. Well, wait a minute. How can that be? It's a time of discouragement. It's a time of despair. It's a time of death. It's a time of declension and dissonance. It's a time when, when there's changes going on. Do you mean that even though we're going through these difficult times, that his glory is still available on planet Earth, even as the darkness of the evil is around us, that the glory, his glory fills the whole earth. That lets me know his glory can fill this place and it can fill your life and fill mine. The discouraged prophet the downhearted prophet, the prophet who said in Isaiah 1-3, the ox knows its owner and the donkey its master's crib, but Israel does not know. My people do not consider. Alas, sinful nation, a people laden with iniquity, a brood of evildoers, children who are corruptors. They have forsaken the Lord. They have provoked to anger the Holy One of Israel. They have turned away backward. Do you mean that while that's going on, the glory of the Lord can still show up on this planet Earth, that the glory of the Lord can still make a difference right here. When all of that is going on, I say yes. The Word of God says yes. His glory fills the whole earth. You mean when the prophet said in verse 7, your country is desolate, your cities are burned with fire, Strangers devour your land in your presence. It's desolate as overthrown by strangers. You've turned your back on God. But his glory is still available. It's touchable. The whole earth is full of the glory of God. We just need to look to him rather than than to the things around us. God wants to make himself real. He wants that face-to-face, one-on-one with us today. We can go and we can see all the discouragement and despair and the death and declension and dissonance and all the other things that are going on in our world and we're discouraged and we're under it and, and we're persecuted and whatever. We can look at that and become admired in it. But I choose to realize that the Lord God is still seated upon his throne today. He's still seated on the throne. He's still high and lifted up. He's still exalted. He will not be mocked. He's the same God today that he was yesterday and in thousands of years in the past and will be thousands of years in the future. We don't look down and become engaged in all of the things that are happening and throw up our hands in despair. Oh, where's the Lord? He's right here. The glory of the Lord fills the whole earth. He's right here. in the midst of it they had a praise session going on in heaven the cherubims are singing that and it caused Isaiah to realize he was part of the problem 
he has unclean lips and he dwells in the midst of a people of unclean lips. Well, you know, he's just been saying what everybody else has been saying about how bad things were rather than lifting up praise to God for who God is in his position. Realize this. We may be the part of the problem that can be fixed today. I can't fix our world, but I can allow the Lord to fix me. We want everybody else to get fixed, get right, get their act together. Why don't they just get their act together? Well, I have a half a mind. Yeah, you do. I can't fix them. I can't fix anybody else, but God can fix me. God can fix me. And it comes from the altar. Did you notice the, the healing of his unclean lips? The angel brought a, just took it in his hands. There's a whole message there. He didn't use, need to use, need tongs to carry it. He just lifted the tongs up, put it in his hand. It doesn't bother him. You see, there's a power that God has that transcends our understanding. And it purged the sinful things that Isaiah was saying. The prophet? Oh, yeah. And he was a changed man. And then the Lord says, you know, in this face-to-face, one-on-one encounter, I just have one question. He hadn't asked anything, has he? He hasn't asked a thing yet, has he? No. He brought Isaiah into his presence to experience the presence. And now Isaiah has recognized that he's part of the problem. And the Lord said, the Father said to the Son, and the Son said to the Holy Spirit, and they all talked together about it and said, who who, who go for us and tell people about what needs to be said? Who go to these lost people, these people that are discouraged, in despair, surrounded by death and discouragement, and they're, 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 they're covered in all the things that are going on. Who can we send? And something welled up inside the prophet. And he says, I'm here. I'm available. He was the only one there. You see, it was a one-on-one, wasn't it? He had an invitation into the holy presence of God. And it changed him and made him want to tell others about the God who's still on the throne. Here am I. Send me. I cannot promise you that you'll have that same type of experience, visionary experience with the Lord. But I can promise you this. Everything that was said about the Lord is still true this morning. He's still the King of Kings. He's still seated on his throne. 
The borders of his garment are still extended within reach to you. He can change and purge anything amiss in the way we're thinking, speaking, or living. And he's calling us to tell others, you can have a one-on-one -on -one with a God who's on the throne. Would you stand with me, please? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. As the worship team returns and begins to play a song of invitation, I want you to consider stepping out to a place of prayer today. You may be physically in need of that touch of the garment, that healing. And some may not be physically able to walk, make it to the altar. I'm going to ask my deacons to keep their eyes open. If you are an individual and you just cannot make it to this place of prayer, I'm going to ask my brethren to go take the anointing all to them and pray for them. I'm going to need your help. It's difficult to see where hands are raised. But if you would be sensitive to that, I would appreciate it. But this altar is open today. Some of you need a fresh glimpse of the fact that he's still on the throne. You're discouraged, you're in despair, you're downhearted, overwhelmed, and the enemy is crushing in on you. And you need the Lord to put his hand beneath your chin and lift your gaze. God is still on the throne today. Next week, we're going to be concluding our series going to go to a pitiful little island on the other side of the world. A man is there that shouldn't be there. A man named John. He was preaching this gospel of Jesus Christ and they took him and they sentenced him to life imprisonment on the Isle of Patmos. Surrounded by the worst of the worst criminals of the Roman Empire. Sentenced to be housed upon a rock and try to find food to eat. Live in caves. Be surrounded by those who would just as soon kill you as look at you. All alone. No visitors permitted to that island <laughs> but Jesus did not need a visa to sit down on Patmos that day we're going to be looking at a face to face encounter with John the Revelator but right now today find a place at this altar today you know you need to
beyond the despair and disappointment of the world in which you're living right now. Come to Jesus today. Come to Jesus today. Let him lift your gaze. Hallelujah. Let him lift your gaze. I will lift up mine eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. Supper, a reminder of how seriously Jesus takes your salvation. He died for it. So don't leave. Hold steady as people are seeking the Lord around the altar.
still on the throne. We're going to be readying ourselves to remember afresh what Jesus did for us. He left the throne of glory. He came to earth and was impaled upon a cross to pay the sin account of anyone who would call upon his name. He died. But he came out of that tomb in victory. He ascended on high. He's coming again. And then we're going to get to surround the throne one day as he's seated once again on the throne of glory. Hallelujah. Father, I pray right now that as we're seated in your presence, as we prepare to remember what Jesus did for us, Father, help it not to be a mere ritual or something we go through or words that we say, but give us the ability to remember something that was done for us 2,000 years ago something that still empowers us today. Thank you for that one-on-one -on -one that I had with Jesus years ago where I confessed my sin and you forgave me. Where you cleansed my heart and wrote my name in the Lamb's Book of Life. Thank you, Father, for that one-on-one. -on -one. Thank you for those other one-on-one -on -one encounters I've had with you throughout the years. Where you've called me, where you've healed me, where you've given me guidance and direction, where you've led me, when you've lifted me up when I was discouraged, when I was in despair, you came. Thank you, Father, for that kind of one-on-one -on -one love. Meet with each one today as we remember what Jesus did for us. I pray it in his name. Amen. You may be seated as the brethren are ready to share the emblems of the bread and the cup, please. If you do not know Jesus as your Savior today, abstain. You can't remember something that hasn't happened to you. This is for family. This is for those who have asked Jesus to be their Savior. But I tell you this, you can receive him as your Savior right now. You can ask Jesus to come into your heart, forgive your sin, cleanse your stains of your sin, and grant eternal life to you, and then you can remember that it happened right here, right now. We ask that you hold the emblems until all have been served so that we can receive as the body of Christ together.
thank you, Jesus, for the empty tomb. Thank you, Jesus, for the trumpet sound that's in our future.
the death, the tomb, the stone, and the morning. We thank you, Father, that his body was broken for us, that we might be made whole. Jesus took the bread that night. He broke it told his disciples, this is my body, broken for you. Take and eat. I invite you to do so and give him praise. Amen. Amen. 